In today's episode, we are talking about compersion and polyamorous relationships, and more specifically, how can you achieve compersion by dealing with your jealousy? We have a very special guest today, Allie Hendry, and uh, she is uh, an expert on jealousy, and uh, it's something that she has uh, uh, learned to deal with through personal experience. Allie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> um, yes, I am a certified relationship coach um, and I also teach relationship coaches how to become relationship coaches. Um, I have my own coach uh, clients. I work with individuals. I work with duos, throuples, um, non-monogamy pods. And I'm also a TEDx speaker. And I know you've mentioned my TEDx talk in, in previous episodes. Thank you very much for that. Um, do a little bit of corporate training still. That's something I did uh, for many years, diversity, inclusion and equity training. I do a little bit of that, mainly now focusing on coaching, uh, training up coaches, how to coach and having my own clients. Very interesting. Yes, I think uh, your experience fits uh, what we're trying to to do in, with our podcast very well. So thank you for joining us. Yes. I think it's the number oh, one I thing. Your podcast. Oh, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you so much. I'm all over it. It's because it's one of the number one questions we get from our audience all the time. They always write in or they always leave comments about jealousy, jealousy. So it's like it's one of those topics that we have to recurrently keep hitting right. on. Right. It's a constant battle for, I think, any relationship, but specifically for polyamorous relationships. When you add an extra person, something just changes. Like it, it brings out the green eyed monster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because the definition of jealousy does come from having three entities, whether that's three people or it could be two people and work could be the third entity. So I think it kind of stands to reason that when you are thinking about having relationships with more than two people, then that's going to come online. And I hear that a lot. Into, oh, could, I couldn't be non-monogamous. I couldn't do that because of my jealousy. Yeah, which you've never experienced before in any of your monogamous relationships, you know, which of course you have. Right. Yeah, I hear that all the time too. And um, so in my opinion, jealousy is healthy to some extent. And how, from your experience, how do you know the difference? Where is that line that you cross from healthy jealousy to unhealthy jealousy? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. I think when we're talking about healthy jealousy, one of the things that came online for me was having that balance of commitment and freedom in the same um, relationship design. So being able to hold myself accountable for me, having that autonomy and also feel connected. And that allows big emotions, that allows complex emotions like jealousy to be in place without feeling threatened by them. So I think whatever that emotion is, and of course, we're, we're talking about jealousy today, it has to feel manageable by, by all parties uh, to some extent. It, it doesn't involve shame because I think that's a big part that comes with jealousy, particularly in the non-monogamy world where we kind of hold ourselves um, higher. We say we've gone into this more consciously. This is more of a choice. You know, we're swimming against the stream. And so we have to do this right and so if we do experience jealousy, there can be that shame. There can be that, gosh, maybe it's not for the likes of me. Maybe I'm not able to do this. Where are, you know, is everybody in here because they can manage their jealousy? So I think being able to look at that shame and 
be okay with it and to manage it. You know, Brene Brown says the antidote to shame is self-compassion. So doing a lot of work around your own self-compassion, because sometimes when we want to deal with a, a particular area, we have to sort of circumvent it. So instead of saying, right, I'm going to deal with my jealousy. Actually, maybe you need to have a look at how shame shows up. Maybe you need to look at how patience features in your life. Are you a patient person? You know, so we can almost circumvent the main thing by, or what feels like the main thing, by looking at other elements that could be um, stoking up that, that jealousy. And, you know, as you said, there, there are healthy levels of jealousy. And a lot of people that talk about those healthy levels will say that jealousy is a messenger. So being able to start getting curious, a little bit forensic into what, what are the messages? Where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this? This is familiar. What's, what's that pointing to? Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I never really thought of it in that way. And I know I have experienced that myself, where it's like, if I have jealousies that do start to come up, I, I do struggle with trying to silence that. Like, no, you chose, you chose this right. relationship. You want this. And you're not supposed to be feeling this way. And when I do that, when I just push it aside and don't actually acknowledge it and look at it and try to figure out where is this coming from, then it just ends up becoming a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I never thought of it through the the shame lens though. That that helps a lot, reframing that. You're very much investing your time and energy on a path that says, don't do this. And law of attraction suggests that whenever we say that it doesn't hear the word don't, it hears the word do this. So actually we're, <laughs> we're not helping ourselves. So being able to flip the switch and say, okay, I see you. I see you. That's okay. Let's have a conversation. All right, come over, pull a chair up, you know, bring your jealousy over, right, roll up the sleeves. What's going on here? Come on, let's have a look at this. Because then we're giving it the attention that it's been asking for actually. It's very interesting too. You mentioned in the TEDx when you were in, was it a trouble relationship when you were in? Was, like your good selves. Yes. Yeah. You were jealous of one partner and at the same time envious of the other partner. And I thought that was interesting where you can be experiencing different things with different partners and at the same time and, but still want to be in the relationships and maybe experiencing compersion at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? Um, your your experience, especially with the jealousy and envy and compersion in the, the throuple dynamic? Yeah, absolutely. We we know that, that well, you, you know that jealousy and envy are words that get used interchangeably. And we tend to call envy jealousy. So we just use it as a stock stock. And in fact, in some languages, for example, Persian, there's only one word for jealousy and envy. Um, so not only has our language kind of erased the meanings of jealousy and envy, but in some instances, it's the same thing. So when we're talking about jealousy, we've got three entities, you know, it's that fear of loss. I am losing you to someone else. That's the classic when we're talking about romantic relationships. Um, You can feel jealousy about other entities. For example, you know, a child is born and you feel like you're losing your partner to the child. You can feel jealousy. So it doesn't have to just be in that romantic environment. So three entities or three people, as we're talking about, I fear losing you to the other person. Whereas envy is a wanting. 
I want something that you've got. So I'm not fearing losing something. I'm actually wanting something that you've got. So with the two relationships, um, they I started with um, started going out with with one my, with my with girlfriend one for the purpose of the tape. Let's call her. <laughs> um, so I started going out with girlfriend one, and we we were and she's married, or at the time she was married, um, and she and her wife had been together for a number of years. And so I started dating girlfriend one, and then after a year, I started dating girlfriend two as well. So. Um, we had and we dated each other independently and also as a throuple. So, as you know, that's that's a lot of different dynamics going on there because you've got all the different pairings and then you've got the throuple and then you've also got the individual relationship with self. So all of that stuff going on. Um, and it was whistle stop. It was thrilling and devastating. <laughs> we were learning on the job. Um, there was a lot. And so. With girlfriend one, I felt that sense of jealousy. I thought she might return to monogamy. I thought I might lose her to this long-term home, you know, home and half relationship. And that was that was coming up a lot for me. Um, and then with girlfriend two, I was envious of the status that she had of wife, whereas I was only the girlfriend. So I, I wanted that status. And and actually within, um, it was all of our first times, uh, pretty much all of our first times. And so they were working out how they were going to reveal, come out, if you like, as non-monogamous to family and friends. And that took a fair few years. So I found that really difficult in terms of feeling invisible because you know, I've been living my life, relationship coach out there talking about relationships, all of those sorts of things, and wasn't able to share my joys um, in some senses, in some ways. So I found that really difficult and was probably jealous of, um, you know, that, that, that set up and the losing of my relationship or envious, actually. So envious of not being able to share my, my relationship in the way that they had been for years, you know, with theirs. Um, but I did have the most, we were talking about compersion. I did have the most powerful compersive experience I've ever had was in that dynamic. And it was just so powerful. So girlfriend two, purpose of the tape, <laughs> girlfriend two was round at mine, um, and was staying over. And, um, so she'd arrived and we'd, you know, disrobed and it reconnected as it were. And then we were FaceTiming girlfriend one. And there was this moment where girlfriend one was just looking at the two of us and it was just pure joy. It emanated from her, it emanated from us, and it was just the most beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, to be fair, all three of us had struggled in different ways with different levels of jealousy and, and envy as well. What the compersion was in that moment for all three of us because it spread amongst all three of us was trust and safety those were the two things that were just oozing out of all of us and and for me that's how you how you conceptualize compersion yes it is the joy of seeing someone you love with someone else or in a situation that is joyful for them um and also trust and safety and I would also add on no ego because sometimes relationships do have ego and, and in 
we, there was no ego with the three of us. We were all there. We were all as individuals and also connected. It's a beautiful story. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So definitely uh, compersion and jealousy, they can coexist. I think they can, yeah. I, I have absolutely felt um, elements of compersion at the same as uh, same time as jealousy. And I don't think one is an antidote to the other, though. I think it's um, we're complex humans. And I think, you know, sometimes we want to find a simple solution and we, we want to say, oh, if you can top up your compersion levels, you're going to reduce your jealousy. I mean, there are so many other factors that could be in place. There are so many variables. Yes, it could be a little bit of that. It could be hormones. It could be what happened that day. It could be, you know, so many other levels, physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual. It could be absolutely anything as well. And I think, and you know this from the non-monogamy world, sometimes we, it's like the kind of the, the golden golden egg we have to find this compassion this thing called compassion let us seek it and so we set up this huge expectation and expectations in relationships yeah they're useful if we want them to motivate us but sometimes it can demotivate us because we're like well I haven't had it yet I'm not going to find it ever how do I find this magical thing called compassion so let let's break it down to what it is it's joy it's a form of joy yeah it's uh, interesting. It's something that I didn't think about and hearing you talk about it, that time in the relationship, commitment and trust will get you to feeling compersion. And it makes sense to me, too, because the more we are as a throuple in, a relation, in our relationship, the more compersion I get to feel, the more connected I get, the deeper we get into our relationship and knowing each other, it gets easier and better. It's like we are an entity rather than me versus you versus you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say from our listeners, uh, the feedback we've gotten from then it, in the beginning of their throuple, if it's a pre-existing couple, for, let's say for the story, and then there's a single woman joining this couple and she doesn't live with them, it just breeds a lot of jealousy right in the beginning of the relationship and the, all these feelings of uh, they're keeping me a secret and it's not out in the open. And uh, it makes it very difficult to get past that early, those early stages right. of becoming a throuple. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it even, I've experienced it and heard from listeners as well of it sometimes coming from the wife who has that security, but then she sees the NRE with the other partner and it's like that, that envy and that, you know, the jealousies that come up with that as well. So, and we haven't really, we don't hear as much from the men usually, but I imagine that there are jealousies and things that arise there as well yeah yeah it's um it's it is an interesting one and and when I'm working with my duos who are wanting to enter into non-monogamy um they they soon realize that they are deconstructing their relationship you have to bring it back you are creating a brand new entity and I think as soon as people realize that um they can they can start things moving, you know. And when I'm, I mean, as someone who dates as well, if I'm dating somebody and they're new to non-monogamy, you know, I don't I don't want to be there. I'm an educator. I don't want to be the, their educator and dating them as well. So there's conversations around that and how much work that person's done um, and what their experiences are. But one of the things, if somebody is thinking, actually, do I do I go into non-monogamy or not? Because some people enter it because it's a um, they they want to get rid of something. And I would say, think about 
what do you want to gain through entering non-monogamy and what are you trying to lose? And if you answer those two questions, what do you want to gain and what are you trying to lose? And if you answer those questions and you're thinking, oh, it's a bit sticky and actually maybe I'm a bit uncomfortable, perhaps there are some, there's some more work you need to do before you get into the practical application um, because it's, it's a ride, as you all know. It's a ride. It is. I, th- I thought it was interesting that I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts for y- that you've hosted and also that you've been guests on. And in one of them, I believe it was the podcast with Miracle Mindsets. And you mentioned like this misconception that you have to be fully formed before you get into a relationship. And I thought that's very interesting and very true from my experience as well. Like there are certain things absolutely that you need to work on beforehand, but there's also other things that you can't have completely figured out until you're actually in the relationship. And a lot of that, it, even in monogamy, it's because every relationship with each individual, we're all different. So we're going to have things that we can only work on in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then if you move on to a different relationship, there's going to be new stuff. What you learned in that interaction isn't going to apply to your next one. So I really appreciated that. That insight is just, it's very valuable because I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have everything figured out ahead of time. And then when problems come up, you think, oh, this isn't going to work out, you know, whatever it may be, and just un- unrealistic expectations. So like you were talking about already with the expectations, like just knowing mm-hmm. knowing when to um, put pressure on things and when to give yourself and each other a little bit more grace. Yeah, there's a lot of the throuples we were Absolutely. talking about just recently. They they kind of just jumped into it first and figured it out on the fly. Yeah, and it right. sounds like uh, that's similar for you, Allie, with your partners. You you guys didn't you jumped in and you had to figure it out as you were going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I they they had had conversations about non monogamy and um, they described their relationship not as open but as a jar. So they they knew that things were going to going to happen. Uh, they hadn't, but nothing had. Nothing had been, you know, the, they hadn't gone into the practical application. So, yeah, there was a lot of learning on the job. And I think, um, thank you for saying that, by the way, um, because I think one of the things we need to do is to give ourselves permission and to say, actually, yeah, I want to do a lot of work on self. Absolutely. And also, I recognize that some of that healing will come from being in a relationship. I'm not putting all the responsibility on the relationship or the other person. I am putting it on me and my work, and I'm realizing that there will be opportunities within that relationship to heal, to grow, to learn, to develop. We're born for relationships. We're born for connection, and we're not going to get it right first go. We just know that we're driven from babies. That's why we have these um, behaviors to reach out to the caregiver i mean we have to because they keep us alive because <laughs> we don't just plop out and then run off and you know run run into the woods and we can hunt and gather we we need that person to stay near so we develop these amazing things that keep that caregiver like the the eye contact and the smiling and the waggling the arms and those sorts of things so we're born to have that connection and it's just sometimes those messages we get uh when we're younger don't always support future relationships so we need to learn those things in adulthood because we weren't taught them enough in our first version of a relationship which of course is with our caregivers that's our first experience of being in 
a kind of relationship. From your experience, Alec, clearly we're putting a lot of pressure on us. And because we're not monogamous, everybody's watching us. We are keeping ourselves, we are putting ourselves to this higher level of like no issues, no jealousy, no drama. But jealousy is still there, clearly. Like, like you said, we're human beings. What is a healthy and productive, positive way of uh, expressing jealousy to your partners in a polyamorous relationship? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I would start by saying we have to avoid blame. Blame is only going to separate people into sides. And what you're trying to do is to move closer together. So taking away that that blame side of things and approaching jealousy as a team effort is is mindset stuff and it's just it's gold dust so rather than saying well you're the jealous one so you've got to do this work and you're the one who's experiencing it um you're the one who's getting it so you've got to do this you've got to change this behavior you've got to change that behavior actually what we can do is be on the same team instead of on different teams we can say jealousy is the entity that we whether it's the two of us or the three of us that we are addressing together so that is going to bind us. That is going to bring us this, you know, unity of, right, here's, here's the issue. We all want to work on this. We're all coming at it from different angles. So let's look at our part in this and see how we as a team can move forwards together. That's a big part of it. Another big part is what I mentioned earlier around that patience, being able to cultivate patience. If you're the one who is experiencing the jealousy, being patient with yourself, if you're the one that is um having your partner or partners you know showing their jealousy then i think there's that patience piece because it can push us into areas we don't want to go into i had one relationship where long term relationship where my partner was the jealous one consistently and i remember getting to a point where i thought well sod it i may as well do something because she thinks i'm doing it anyway and to have got i've got right to that edge um, and it, it wasn't fair, you know, on any of, of well, it was a monogamous relationship. It wasn't fair on the two of us. And we weren't able to see it as, as a shared um, issue that needed addressing together. You know, it was like, you do that and I do this. And so we keep in this dance. We keep in this dynamic. And nobody, nobody stops the music. We just keep doing it. We can't get out of it. Um, so being able to have a conversation about it is is paramount and all the stuff that people know about choosing the right time and place to have those conversations really good one is setting that intention how do i want to think and feel at the end of this conversation with this person or these people how do i want them to think and feel so having that kind of driver of actually i want them to feel i want to feel loved I want to feel accepted. I want to feel understood. Wow, brilliant. So you're going to go into a conversation with those three things in your forefront. That's a great intention to set for this conversation. Um, taking breaks, taking breaks, making sure that you are, you've got your basic needs fulfilled because that is where things are going to kick off. If you don't, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, they say in the 12-step programs, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and all the other things. If you don't have those sorted, then you are going to 
not be able to have that emotional capacity to have that conversation at that time. So really checking timing is everything. I know they say it isn't, but timing is everything. Um, so I definitely think about that. And also responding rather than reacting is another one. Um, there's a great phrase from Victor, Victor Frankl, in the space between stimulus and response lies freedom. <laughs> you know, so if you can just put a pause in the cause, and actually you're giving yourself that, I've got choice now, I've got agency, I can, yeah, let's just breathe into this, let's just wait for a moment, because actually I, I can feel myself going, and you can, this is the thing about emotions, they start in the body, emotions start in the body, and then the brain goes, oh, hello, what's that, what's going on there? So you feel an emotion, you get a physiological change, and then and then you label it, you put a feeling name on it. And actually, we can sometimes mislabel it for a start. So sometimes we can, it could be jealousy, or it could be insecurity, it could be loneliness, it could be left outness, it could be resentment, it could be fear, it could be those things instead. But our brain goes, oh, I've felt that before, and that was jealousy, so this must be jealousy as well. So being able to check in with your body sensations and come up with you know a few labels, not just the one, um, and and then afterwards just that gratitude for self gratitude, that self compassion that we talked about earlier, expressing gratitude for learning about yourself. Well done, me. I've learned something. I've seen what I needed to do and how I had that conversation. Yeah, I, I uh, you were talking in your TED talk. You were talking about writing a letter to your jealousy. And I thought that was a brilliant mm -hmm. idea. Uh, I've done that with other things before, like writing a letter to my femininity or my sexuality. And the things that come out, I'm, I'm surprised. Things that they were inside my brain that I never knew they existed. So I think that's such a good idea. Yeah. I've got a jealousy playlist as well. Jealousy has got its own Spotify playlist. <laughs> Why not? Why not? You know, it's, let's, let's work with this together. You, you know, let's, let's see what we can do here. I've seen so many people so they, they they're going through this hell internal hell where they're jealous but they don't want to talk to their partners because i i don't know if they feel ashamed they feel ashamed or maybe they are ashamed i don't know exactly what the relationship is but they're not comfortable talking about their jealousy and i am a promoter of just accepting negative emotions they're there they're ours they're not just yours you shouldn't be shunned yeah. in a corner and keep this a secret when clearly the jealousy exists because of all of us. It's not just yours. I think one of the beauties of a non-monogamous relationship, especially, is the diversity in perspectives as well. So I can write a letter to my jealousy or whatever, and that will help bring things to light. But also talking to other people who have their own perspectives mm -hmm. and see me through a different lens, that can help bring things to right. light as well in a way that you maybe couldn't ever do or would take a lot longer to realize certain things if you're just trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. And that's where this thing called non-monogamy works so well, because we have realized we need to return to community. We need to be using those resources. We need to be in those groups, talking to people, having non-monogamy elders who can share their experiences, their thought, their joys, their wisdoms, We've gone back into that space, not only with community living, you know, being in, in physical space with more than two people instead of, you know, um, 
putting us in little boxes, little homes and shutting us away and keeping us in pairs, actually expanding that and knowing the, the value of community and resourcing ourselves through community is something that I recommend to everybody who's entering non-monogamy. Find your community and connect with people. It absolutely will serve you. Mm. Yes, that's great advice. We find it hard to a like... Podcast, y- like this one. <laughs> you're, right. yeah exactly you mentioning you're mentioning connecting with your non-monogamy elders and like we don't have any it's so hard to find people that are older and wiser that have done this that can advise us we feel like we're just we have to make our own way to figure mm-hmm. it out and that's why we started the purple <laughs> talk facebook community hub connection <laughs> connection hub. Hub. Yes. so find us on there and connect with other thruples yes and share the share the knowledge 100%. I think what you were saying earlier as well, I think it's, it is really important to see jealousy as something that you experience as an emotion rather than an identity. Because, and this is something I talk about in Survivor's Guide to Jealousy, you're not, you're a jealous, you know, you, you experience jealousy. It's, you're not a jealous person. You know, people who go, well, I'm a jealous person. I couldn't do that. You've attached it to a part of your identity when actually it doesn't, it doesn't deserve that. It's an emotion and it, we move through emotions. Emotions are like tunnels. We have to process them. We have to walk through them and experience them and come out the other end. They don't stay stuck to us. We have fluidity within emotions. So giving ourselves that grace to say, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a thought process and it's an emotion. It's, it's in my body and I'm interpreting it like that. Um, and yeah, I love what you were saying about this this person, you know, it's churning up inside them. I mean, I've been there and, and it's just kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't get out of this and it's terrible. And I, don't, I don't want to express it, but I can't hold it in. And you realise that actually thoughts in your head aren't necessarily facts. We're investing all this time in thinking that these thoughts are facts and they are thoughts. And so we need to be aware of things like cognitive distortions where we start catastrophizing or we have that all or nothing thinking. And we have to be aware of things like confirmation bias, where we're only looking for things that support this view that this person is doing this activity deliberately to hurt us. And all of those things need the other side as well. We need to be looking for things that confirm and refute those thought processes. Otherwise, we do tie ourselves up in knots. Uh, it's definitely something that it's hard, but there's a fix to it and talking about it, it, it makes it easier. Like you're no longer alone dealing with something and you don't longer feel like somebody that's sabotaging the polyamorous relationship. If everybody's involved in the conversation, it's not just in your head. Yeah. What do you think about people who are addicted to jealousy? Do you think that's a thing in your experience and the communities and conversations you've had? Because I've started to explore this whole link with how we can feel that cortisol, you know, we do get that cortisol spike. There have been studies around jealousy in, in uh, obviously monkeys. They like to do the monkey studies and how the cortisol goes through the roof. And that can be quite addictive. And that adrenaline rush, if you're snooping around for little bits of information or looking at someone's phone, I think there's definitely something about this addictive thing that we can hold on to and enjoy in that kind of existential kink kind of way of oh this is perverse and also the jealousy is there but then afterwards you get to reconnect so you use that adrenaline rush as a as a 
as a kink. Yeah, it's something like, oh my God, it's like off the charts. So taboo, so extreme. And then you get to reconnect. I don't, I don't think it's, yeah. it could be fun, I guess, but I think you have to be very careful how you play with that. It could probably backfire. Yeah, I mean, xenophilia is a real thing. Yeah, which, definitely. Yeah. It is. I don't, I'm not sure how well, how, how good it would be for a polyamorous relationship, though. I was kind of thinking about how people become addicted to feel, they don't want the jealousy, but they become addicted to feeling it. And they get stuck in that kind of cycle of, oh, it's familiar. I don't like it, but actually it's also familiar. I haven't ran across it very much. And in the, our circles anyway, so mm. actually some people are so, uh, not, uh, so not jealous. Not jealous. <laughs> it's yeah. like ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, jealousy is not something I struggled with in my and Josh's relationship before we were non-monogamous. So I think when it did start coming up, once non-monogamy was a part of it, it was like, oh my God, what is this? I don't like it. Where is this coming from? You know, it was it was very natural to try to like root it out and mm-hmm. fix right it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah. experience uh, much jealousy, but envy for sure. Because like we guys would go out for drinks or something. You're sending yeah. pictures back. I'm like, I don't want to be at home watching the kids. I want to be out <laughs> drinking at this cool little bar. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. FOMO. <laughs> Ellie, you, you mentioned at the beginning um, when you were in the throuple, there was a lot of learning on the job. Um, is there any tips or advice that you have for us or our listeners of things that you know now that you wish you had known then that might have maybe not made the relationship go the long haul, but at least made things easier for the time that it did last healthier. Yeah, it's, it's a great question There there are, I, I, because when we talk about jealousy, we talk about fear of losing something or someone to, to some, someone else or something else. When we talk about fear, I did a lot of research on fear, a lot of reading around fear. And I love the way that Pema Chodron talks about fear. She says that fear is a natural reaction to moving closer to the truth. And that really resonated with me. It goes back to that whole giving ourselves permission to feel that, you know, to feel that emotion and to know that it's, it's serving some kind of purpose that we probably don't know at the time, but we will find out in the future so being able to acknowledge that jealousy without that judgment was was helpful for me and like you said you know you were kind of like what is this thing what's going on here so being able to move towards it um through the journaling through therapy art you know playlists etc and being able to what I love about journaling is it allowed me to unhook the thinker from the thought or the feeler from the feeling, I could unhook those two things and see see me from outside of my own head and see some of the things that, that were going on. And so it helped me look at things like the role of trust and how that had shown up in past relationships and how it was forming itself in the new you know relationship design um, and being able to just yeah, do some processing of the past in these relationships um, and get that support. Read the books, listen to the podcast, talk to community, know that you're not alone and that it's okay to go through these things. But there isn't one thing. It was, it's just a whole bunch of things that happened during that relationship and then have happened 
since then um, with other relationships and you know through my work as well. So yeah, I think trust is a big part because we think trust is a feeling, but it's actually a belief. It's something that we have to build up with those tiny moments. Um, you've got uh, the Gottman, you know, the, John Gottman and all the work that he does around that turning towards each other and responding to those bids for connection and investing in your relationship bank account and all of those sorts of things whereby we want to be moving towards each other and not apart and jealousy is very good at splitting us so actually can we find the connection in those tiny tiny moments that bond us that bring us together so I don't know if that answers your question but I feel like I've kind of scattergunned a whole load of ideas. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, kind of giving each other the benefit of the doubt, right? And looking for reasons to give mm-hmm. each other the benefit of the doubt to help cultivate that trust rather than assuming the worst or at least assuming that the worst might be a possibility. Exactly. And also just like the the uh, banking analogy she just mentioned, it's like, are you making deposits or withdrawals? Are you overdrawn in your relationship account? Because when you are, that's yeah. where the insecurities pop mm-hmm. up and that's where the jealousy comes in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and John Gottman says that you need positive, you need with one negative thing that happens in your relationship, you've got to have 20 positives. So you've got to keep working on that emotional bank account. You ha- You can't take your eyes off it. I am. Um, I'm writing a book at the moment about people who are afraid of love. I know it's exciting. And I've been interviewing people. And I, I said to my mum, I need to interview someone who's your sort of age, which is 80s, um, and um, has been in a relationship for a long time, and is a cis white man, because other than my dad, who isn't hasn't been in a relationship for a very long time, I need someone who's and so I had this amazing conversation with one of her friends, and they, um, he's in his 70s. And he he and his wife have been together for uh, since they were 16, 17. And I wanted to talk to him and not her. And and uh, we knew this. And so she went and, you know, said, oh, I'll leave you to it. And as as and there was so much love in the space. I mean, this is like 50, 60 years. You know what I mean? And as she goes out, she goes up. To, he's sitting on the chair, probably his chair. And I'm sitting on the sofa, you know, and we're settling in. And as she's about to go, all she does is she goes over and touches him on the shoulder. He puts his hand on top of her shoulder and then she exits. And when we talk about secure attachment, it's like, dang, that is it. That it's those tiny, tiny moments that say, I turn towards you. I caretake you. I see you. I hold you. And they both did it. She put her hand on him. He put the hand back on there. It was just a moment. And they didn't even think that I saw it. But, you know, I'm looking for all these things that are going into the book. And so those are, that's what we need to hold on to. It's not the big sweeping, wonderful, let's invest lots of money and go on holiday for 10 weeks. It's it's those tiny moments that bring us back together. And that's what we need to be holding on to in our relationships, in all love styles. Right. Very very well put. (laughs) Yes. Once that book is available, please let us know, send us the link and we can link it in the show notes. What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? I am most active on Instagram, and that's Ali Hendry Coaching. Uh, you can also find lots of information about me on my website, which is alihendry.co.uk. And do you offer throuples therapy at all or have any recommendations for where throuples can get 
Um, it's coaching, yeah. So I, I work on the coaching uh, side instead of the therapy side. So uh, therapy is fantastic, as you know, as well, for, for um, working with thruples. What therapists do really well is they look at the past with a view to healing. They do bring in some, some therapists will bring in the coaching side of things. What I only focus on is gaining clarity on where you're at now, working at where would you like to get to and what steps can you get, um, can you take to get there? So with the coaching side, it's very much dealing with the now, the future and how to move into that. And the therapy is about the past and the healing and those sorts of really good, you know, spicy things. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm working with some lovely thruples at the moment. I'm working with duos. I've stopped saying couple coaching because it's one of those terms, isn't it? We need to stop saying couples. We need to be saying duos or dyads. So I, as I say, I coach coaches how to be ICF certified relationship coaches. And, and I'm saying to them, we, we, you're not doing couple coaching, you're doing duo coaching, because there are love styles where the word couple is reductive, and actually destroying in some senses. So yeah, I do love working with the duos. Sally, thank you so much for joining on our episode, joining us on our episode today. This was a very illuminating conversation and I've learned so much from it. Yes. You are thank a you. wonderful professional. It was great. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. If you enjoy our episodes, please uh, share and subscribe and uh, let us know in the comments if uh, you have any issues with jealousy. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.